0: Welcome to HMH Learning Moments. I'm Annalie, I produce this podcast, and for today's episode of Teachers in America, host Rose L. Mitchell, an educator and learning scientist, is joined by Tracy Childers. Tracy is a science teacher at Foothills Community School, part of the McDowell County School System in Marion, North Carolina. Foothills is a STEM magnet school for grades six through eight, and they use a project-based learning, mixed-grade classroom approach. Tracy is the father of two, stepfather of three, and the grandfather of four. He began teaching in his 50s after spending 30 years in supervision and management in the textile industry. After 16 years working as an educator, Tracy had been considering retirement before finding his current role at Foothills. Now I'm excited to turn it over to Tracy and Rose.
1: Hi, Tracy. Thanks so much for coming in and spending some time podcasting with us.
0: Well, hello.
2: uh, Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here.
1: So we always really like to start by talking about, you know, was there a teacher in your life that had you know, a, a real effect on you and that you think back to as someone, as a teacher now, who inspired you?
2: My sixth grade teacher, his name was Jack Hodges, was an amazing man. I really enjoyed being in his class. I was a fairly rambunctious young man, disorganized, and, and my grades were, were good. I just I had a hard time getting my thoughts from here Organized in the and Mr. Hodges was was wonderful. He he didn't scold. He directed me, and uh, I had a love of sports, so he used that to to direct me. And and really, he my sixth grade was a real turning point. And and uh, you know I've always been thankful that Mr. Hodges was there when I was in the sixth grade. Also, my older brother is a career teacher, and and uh, just hearing him talk about the profession, and he's an older brother. So he, seeing him and knowing him, sort of drew me.
1: So where did you start your career then?
2: I, uh, when I graduated from college, I, uh, I went to work in in industry uh, as a supervisor and manager. So I worked in the uh, textile industry for uh, for thirty years.
1: Uh, and was that local to where you lived? Yeah, I lived uh,
2: in western North Carolina and East Tennessee. I, I changed jobs several times, but it was all within 100 miles. I never felt the love for my job like I do now. Uh, I, I was good. I mean, I was competent. I, I did a good job.
1: You were a manager, right? I was you, a manager. You had a lot of people who worked for you. I did.
2: I did. Uh, I've, I've said often said talking to people that uh, my next to last job, I... I, had a, I was in a facility where I had 160 people under me and five supervisors. We worked seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um, and I was responsible for the results. But I've never had a harder job than being a classroom teacher. Right. I've never remotely had a more rewarding job than as a classroom teacher. So it's uh, when I changed careers, looking back, I wish I'd have changed earlier, sooner.
1: And so how long have you been teaching?
2: This is, I just ended my 16th year.
1: Oh, congratulations. Thank That's you. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So why did you switch?
2: Well, uh, sort of a long winding story here. But uh, in uh, December of 2002, uh, New Year's Eve, uh, my daughters, Casey, 24, and Courtney, 22, were in an automobile accident. And, and they I'm were cute. so killed. sorry. And a fairly life-changing event. Uh, and uh, I, I was—it uh, was hard. It was difficult dealing, and uh, I—the I, job I was going to just became kind of hard. And and I wanted to remember the girls. I wanted to do something, for, you know, out of uh, you know, devotion—not devotion. That's the wrong word. But memorial to them. And uh, my brother, you know, I said, "Why don't you think about teaching?" And I'm oh like, "Gosh, I don't know." And but it, I wanted to give. I wanted to, to go to work every day saying, I'm giving this in memory of my children. And, and, and teaching offered that, that you can give back. You can. It's a giving uh, kind of job. So I do it every day and sort of in their honor.
1: That's such an incredible thing, Tracy.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but it, it, it motivates me and, and uh, I've loved it. I mean, the, the paradox is, I'm like doing it for them, but I'm doing it for me. I mean, I love what, what this is, and, and, and I, get a, I get a new family every year. I mean, there's a hundred. Well, in my current job, we, we, the kids move up, and I move up with them, but I get. Oh,
1: you loop. We loop, yeah, we loop. Oh, that's loop. so good. Oh, I All love of it. the research shows oh, how great a, an effect it is on, on their right. learning and on the solidity of the relationship. Absolutely.
2: Uh, the next year, they we hit the ground running. I know them, they know me, they know the expectations, I know where they are, I know their strengths, I know their weaknesses. So you really hit the ground running. So I really, really like the fact we're doing that. And, uh, but, yeah, that's, I um, was going to say, so I...
1: Every year you get a new family.
2: Uh, well, I get get added, too. At the school I'm at, our homerooms are called families. So, when I get a sixth grader in my family, I keep them for three years. So, I really get to know them. I really get to know their families and it and, and makes that connection much better. And then in the seventh grade and the eighth grade, they become my leaders. So, when I get a sixth grader in my family, they're modeling, they're helping, they're helping me because they know the process. So, I really like the way that, that That's works. That's
1: such a different model of education and progression through the grades, right? I mean, it's, it's almost like you're growing leaders. It's almost like what happens in good work environments where people are moving up in their competencies and are mentored by a manager yeah. or something. Well, you,
2: you have great insight. That's our plan. We we wanted to make our kids future ready. And, and a lot of classrooms filled with wonderful people working very hard, doing the best they can, Everything's sort of isolated. I go, to, I go to math, and then I go to language arts, and then I go to social studies. Well, that's not the way the world works. Right. And so we're trying to, to model that in a safe place. Yep. They're, they're not out in the world, but they're kind of seeing what it is. And, it, and we, we try to give them a safe environment to fail. I mean, I learn more by making a mistake than I've ever learned by doing it right. So we, we want to give them that safe environment.
1: So that means you have a pretty integrated approach to curriculum. You're, everyone's not sort of so faculty aligned. Very
2: much. We, we're project based, is our, is our model. And, um, and all, you're a science teacher. Right? I'm a science teacher. Not only. Every, every teacher in middle school is a reading teacher. <laughs> we, you really need to be. Uh, plus, I integrate math. So as we plan, we'll plan a nine week project and, and whatever uh, standards that I'm teaching that that nine weeks will tie to the project and what math is teaching will tie to the project. I'm very much involved with science, with social studies, language arts, and math, what they're bringing in. So I can connect my class to what's going on. So every class they go to sort of connects to each other class. Plus it connects to a common project. Uh, so, so the w-
1: project is completely cross-curricular. Totally. And is that, that makes up the full grade for the nine weeks or are there other ways that you... Grade? My science class,
2: I am... I am uh, say I'm teaching ecosystems, and their project involves uh, building a greenhouse. They'll be graded on how they complete that greenhouse, but they'll also be graded on how they understand ecosystems. So whatever components I'm teaching in ecosystems, they're, they have to master each component. Right. And 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 then they they get how did you do on your project?
1: Right. So there's both knowledge and application yes, as part yes, of the learning. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, the school you're at, Foothills Community School, is considered um, a pretty innovative school. It and is. this is partly because of the integrated curriculum, but also the approach to STEM. Correct. Uh, tell me a little bit more about how you're contributing to, to that innovative approach. Well,
2: uh, Let me drop back. Three years ago, uh, I was very much thinking about retiring. I didn't want to, but it's, it's about that time. And this job came open and it was posted in our county. And I read that job description and I went, this is the job I've been looking for for 45 years. And, and it, it, I was almost as nervous applying for that job as I am right now. <laughs> and, uh, and I got the job and my, my principal is an amazing lady who has a vision that, that we're, we're following. Uh, she was an, assi- an instructional coach in the county and, and, and our superintendent, who's a man who supports us and supports our innovation. So we're a team, we're collaborative. So we all are contributing to where we're going. And I think my contribution when I say is my goal is to have every child one year closer to being a productive adult whatever that encompasses. And so that's sort of the frame we're all looking for. Are we, are we serving that child? Are they mastering the material? Are we serving their emotional needs? You know, how is the family involved? And, and uh, you know, it's, every child is different. I mean, they're human beings. They're not numbers. They're not data. They're human beings. So you, you need to understand how that child learns and how it doesn't learn. I know a lot of, we use data. Data is extremely important, but to use that data to say, okay, these children are mastering, but these aren't. So I need to deal one-on-one with these children to find out who they are, how do I make it relevant, and then how do I bring them up to mastery.
1: So you you talked about mastery, and that's, that's a different kind of model than a lot of schools use.
2: I'm very passionate about this. In mastery, like in, in grades, say you're a fifth grader and you take a, a fractions test and you make 40 on it. Well, gosh, how do you overcome a 40? So that's sort of stuck, you're tattooed with that 40. In mastery, if you're in our sixth grade and you take a fractions test and you make a 40, okay, Johnny doesn't understand this. We're gonna have to give we're gonna have to work with him. We're gonna have to scaffold with him. During our school time we have something called when, what I need. So Johnny would need help with his math. So during that half an hour every day he would be getting help. So let's say it's three weeks later Johnny gets assessed again, and boom, he knocks it out of the park. He's now mastered it. He's now shown me that 40 goes away. So it's not an albatross around his neck. He's mastered it. He's checked it on, and we move him to the next level. We may move Johnny now. Mary may have went there two weeks ago. So, And then once they've mastered sixth grade, we're able to push them on. A lot of times a really bright child in a class that is being led together, we'll get bored.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we don't, we're not gonna let you get bored. We're gonna push you.
1: As you think back to the past school year, what, what's been one of the high points of the year? Okay, high point
2: is a young man that I've had for three years. He uh, he came to me as a sixth grader. This young man was just, was a, was a struggling reader. He, he really was. And, he wanted to do well, but he's painfully shy. We make our kids present, and he'd stand in front of the class and and, uh, and look at his feet and mumble. But over the three years, he is so bad, wanted to be successful. I mean, he had that drive inside, and he wanted to be an astronaut, and, and that was his goal, and he learned all about NASA. And uh, at the end of the eighth grade, they do a passion project. They get to pick this is my passion, and I'm gonna do a project. And it can be anything, welding, singing, acting, they wanna do, and and uh, he got up and presented a in-depth, he'd went from NASA to microbiology, and he presented a a paper on uh, vaccines and emerging pathogens, and and it was beautiful. And his head was up and he was engaged with the audience and he was looking around and his voice was up. I cried in the classroom. I mean, it was amazing, and and he's almost like the poster child for our school. I just he's still he's still you know middle of the road as a reader, but the, he's he's now got the heart to say I can do this. So he, that was a high point watching him present the last day last week of school, which is awesome. Was
1: there a tough a tough moment this year where, you know, you felt like I'm not sure I can keep doing this? There are. I,
2: I there's always days when they walk out and you go. Phew, I got no more tools. It's, you know, what am I going to do? And self-care is a real issue with teachers. With teachers are so involved with the kids and the community and what's going on and the next thing and the next thing. And you sort of lose self-care and, and you can get down. You can get fatigued. You can get burnt out. Um, usually happens in February. I call it the long month of February. The kids are, they don't want to be there and you don't want to be there and uh I have amazing colleagues who are supporting me. My, my wife is a retired school teacher. She's very supportive. And so you get through that, especially if you look at the kids. You get up the next day and it's like, it's a new day. We're going to do this. You know, you have, you you know, you had a few, I had one young man who just, I just couldn't reach him. I actually called him up to my desk and, and said his name and said, you're a hard nut to crack. And I just told him, I said, I, you're going to have to help me. Please help me. You, you, if I fall on something that, that, that grabs you, that attracts you, you tell me. You come to me after class, the same. It's just, that's it. That's it. And eventually we found it. But, it, you know, you, you don't want to get where when a child comes into your room, you go, oh, gosh, it's him. You don't want to. But sometimes you do. So yeah. those are the low points, dealing with that.
1: I mean, I think back to what you said about feeling responsible in the in the textile plant for 160 people, yeah. and the results. I mean, it's really the same thing. You're responsible yeah. for all of these people and their results, and their results are not just numbers, as you say. Their results are who they are as human beings. Correct. I can hear that in your voice. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think the uh, the benefits are of being somebody who comes to teaching as a second career? I mean, are there things that you feel like you from your experience as a manager and in industry that are able to inform.
2: One of the advantages was I was 52, you know, worked uh, as a middle manager. So I got people over me. I got people under me dealing, dealing with that. So you have time. You learn to reflect. You don't learn to be swayed by, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. Or this is the best thing. Well, you reflect. You got So I've had had a 30-year career. So I come into teaching with the ability to reflect. I go, okay, that didn't go well. What can I do different? Who can I go see? Who can help me? And a lot of young teachers don't do that. They just like, oh, this is horrible. I'm no good at this. They don't go, wait a minute. All first-year teachers struggle, mm. all, all. If a first-year teacher tells you they didn't struggle, they're lying to you, I am sorry. <laughs> so having that advantage of being able to reflect, plus working with people, working, working with, you know, in the industry you work with, I'm working with different personalities and, and you learn to, to navigate that.
1: As you think about the the year ahead, what do you hope uh, will be a, a something you can achieve next year with your kids or for yourself?
2: I want to get better at connecting to the community. I, I, I work really hard connecting to the kids, but I, w- I want to draw in their families more. I want them to be involved. And that's... You know, I need to to be a better emailer. I need to be a better phone caller. I need to make my class feel more uh, open to the parents that they feel comfortable coming in and and visiting me and and the kids. I also want to get better at connecting to real world. Our kids today want it to be relevant. I mean, really. I've had kids say, why am I learning this? I'll never do this. Well, I, I better have a quick two-minute speech to say it is relevant, and here's why. And I want to get better at that, and I want to get better at choosing things. And My principal is amazing. She's amazing. We turn in weekly uh, lesson plans, and she reads them, and she'll make, give us notes. And I was teaching genetics, and she looked at my lesson plan, and she, she wrote me back and said, so that's a great lesson plan five years ago, and <laughs> <laughs> which is like, Tracy, Time to maybe look at something else, which is a great advice. Uh, I, I respect that. I appreciate that. So I went out and looked at another lesson, which was much more engaging, which was much more what it needed to be. So I, I don't want to get lazy. I don't want to say, well, this worked last year. I had a great year last year. Well, these are new kids. It's a new time. And you've always got to think, I was born in, in uh, uh, I tell you this. I was born in 1950. So they, my education experience has nothing to do with these guys. Nothing. So I'm always having to update and, and, and what's out there.
1: And where do you get those ideas when you're looking for more engaging lessons or plans?
2: The internet's an amazing thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you know, there's the National Science Teachers Association, and there's Teachers Pay Teacher, and there's colleagues, and there's workshops, and there's quiet time. Just sit down. What are they trying to learn? What, how did this lesson plan go? How can I engage them? How can I blend technology with with good old fashioned teaching? And a, a lot of what I come up with, I'll, I'll hear or see or read, and then tweak it, change it, make it fit me, make it fit my kids. One of the two most important lessons I learned as a first year teacher was I went in and I tried to be the TV teacher, you know, the teacher you imagine should be a teacher, and and so I'm you know I'm very very rigid, and and I got to Christmas, and I'm like, God, this is not working. I mean, you know, if there's anything a middle schooler can do, it's see fake. Totally. And and so at Christmas, I went, I'm going to follow best practices. I'm going to search with the best teachers. I'm going to find out as much as I can, but I'm going to be me. And then so the next year, I was able to start new, and be me, and. And it was a great realization.
1: If you could wave your magic wand and change something about either your particular uh, teaching context or more generally, the profession of teachers, what would it be?
2: I think high stakes integrated testing is the worst thing that happened to public education in my lifetime. It changes how people teach. It changes how they see children and not in a good way. Children become numbers instead of human beings, and that's totally sad. It's a hard thing to resist as a teacher. I'm all about accountability. I worked 30 years in the industry. Accountability is is totally important. But integrate high-stakes testing, making a third grader take a three-hour reading test is horrible. And so find a way to, 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 to have accountability for teachers and schools without abusing the children. I mean, there are better ways. I want teachers to think of themselves as as professionals. I I, they don't. They don't. And if you want to be treated like a professional, act like one. Carry yourself like one. Uh, I'm a you know speak up when asked. Uh, Go to meetings. Be involved. Uh, You're a stakeholder. Education is changing dramatically. The world's changing. Globalization has changed every institution. So teachers are going to have to get involved. They're going to have to step up and say, say you, you know, we need to be part of this. So I, I would hope teachers would become, we are professionals. You need to treat us like professionals. But, but hello, we need to act
1: like professionals. That's great. So I hope you're not thinking of retiring still.
2: Well, uh, I'll be 69 at Christmas.
1: <laughs> so? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you sound like my principal. <laughs> it
1: seems like uh, Foothills Community School is, you know, a, a great match for you. Yeah. But it also seems like your approach, your innovation, your professionalism and your ability to reflect and, and make your practice better is of huge benefit to uh. them and especially to, you, to your students.
0: This episode of Teachers in America is dedicated to Tracy's daughters, Casey and Courtney. It's a memorial to them that Tracy decided to become a teacher. We want to thank you all for listening and learning with us. You can join our community and read our Shaped blog by visiting hmhco.com/shaped. That's hmhco.com/shaped. You can follow HMH Learning Moments on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes of Teachers in America, including our next episode, which is an interview with Rodney Robinson, the 2019 National Teacher of the Year. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and will please consider rating and reviewing and sharing with your network. HMH Learning Moments is produced by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, The Learning Company. Thanks again for listening.